CalCast is delivered by FedEx, our presenting sponsor. FedEx can help your business reach new customers and simplify your shipping operations. See how FedEx can help your company grow by visiting fedex.com slash e-commerce. That's fedex.com slash e-commerce. Great people at FedEx who do excellent work. Welcome to the premiere episode of CalCast. I've got to tell you, I was approached to do a podcast, CalCast. And I'm like, what? What is a podcast? I had no idea what a podcast is. And I, they told me, I said, are any other coaches doing it? They said, no. I said, perfect. I'm always looking for what is next and how can we be first. How do we continue to separate? I look at a podcast and I say, I'm going to interview people from all different walks of life. It's not going to just be basketball. We play Carolina this weekend. It's going to be a very hard game. But we're not going to talk. It's about everything else. People get to see what our program is about, what our coaches are about on a different level. We talked about it. Then I said, okay, um, is there going to be money generated from this thing? Yes, the CalCast will generate, will have sponsors. And I said, well, there's two things. The sponsors will have to be friends of mine. No one can be a sponsor unless I know who it is and I okay it. They said, fine. The second thing is I want the money to go to charity. I have a foundation that helps children, and I want the money to go to that foundation. They said, fine. So now, here we go, a a podcast. Well, what am I going to do with the podcast? I'm going to talk about whatever my guest wants to talk about. We're going to have conversations. It's not going to just be about basketball. There'll be some basketball people here, but they're going to be people from all walks of life. Um, I'm hoping to get President-elect Trump on. I don't know if I can get him on. Or maybe I get President Bill Clinton on. But I love the fact that this becomes transparent. There may be a couple words that we may have to beep, beep, beep. I don't know if we'll beep or not. We may just let it go. And it's just me having a conversation with somebody interesting in this world. Folks, excuse me, but let me, uh, again, we've got four sponsors. We got FedEx, we got Papa John's, we got Blue Apron, and we got Zip Recruiter. So I've got to talk about these four because I just truly appreciate them sponsoring this. Let me, let me hit on Blue Apron here and you have to excuse me. Um, they're a great sponsor. And, and again, they do great business. And, and if you watch it on TV, we've all seen the ads. Uh, so I don't have to tell you that I work a lot and sometimes pretty crazy hours. But I'm also a family guy that grew up in a home where sitting down at a nice table with good food was important. I'm Italian. Everything we did is around food. And I hate to tell you, if sometimes you look at me, you know it still is. That's why I'm a big fan of Blue Apron. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-proportioned ingredients. That's what I need to make delicious home-cooked meals delivered right to your door. Blue Apron knows when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. Here are some of the meals available in December. Roasted pork, braised cabbage with barley and glazed apples. Wow. Thai green coconut curry with sweet potato and jasmine rice. Brown butter and chestnut glazed gnocchi. Now, you could say gnocchi, gnocchi. I'm Italian. It's gnocchi. 
with braised Brussels sprouts. Let, let me say this about Brussels sprouts. Do you know people are eating Brussels sprouts? I'm eating Brussels sprouts. If that my mother ever put Brussels sprouts on my table, it wasn't getting eaten. We're all eating it. Pea shoot salad. So go there, check it out, support them as they support us. My wife will be cooking, and I'm going to get her on, and she's going to tell her, all of you what she cooked that day. First three meals are free. We are, our family, we love free 99. That's the famous price we like to pay, free 99. With free shipping, free 99 for the shipping by going to blueapron.com slash coach. You'll love it. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So as we go forward today, I talk with and have a conversation with one of my good friends, Charles Barkley. We go way back. Um, I think there's things that you'll hear and uh, understand that he's a different soul, but a good human being. Let's have some fun with this. Charles, my brother, how are What's you? What's up, my brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. Getting ready for Santa Claus, so things can't be that bad. I love it. All right, folks, The uh, I got a good friend on the line, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, who is, um, he's been, you've been good at everything you've done, whether it be basketball, uh, you're not outspoken at all. Um, and, and you, you were good at golf initially, and then you got a hitch. Did you start playing lefty? Uh, I, I'm in the process right now. working with my coach, Hank Haney. I think I'm a switch to lefty full time. Is that amazing? And you know what? What's crazy. You'll be good lefty. You will be good lefty. It's nuts. It's nuts. Well, the thing about it is, you know, I don't hesitate. I don't hit good shots right now, but I'm just switching to lefty. I don't hit a lot of good shots, but I have no hesitation whatsoever. You know, we were in Hawaii when you just started that whatever you want to call it. We won't mention it because we all golfed. You, you know, you don't mention that word. But even then, you were hitting balls. I'm like, how in the world is he hitting these balls with that? Anyway, let's get away from that. Let me, let me ask you, when you're, what makes the crew of you so good when you guys come together and you you talk basketball, when you get in there with all your boys and you're sitting there in front of that TV, what makes that so special? Well, the key is the game. Uh, the, the coach, the key is the game. Well, hopefully we can have a good game and it makes our, li- our, our life, our night really easy. The problem we've been having is when we get bad games, it is a long, you know, because we come on at 8 o'clock at night. We, yeah, we come on at 8 o'clock at night and we go to 2.30 in the morning. So you can't make, if you have bad games, people are not going to watch. I think what we have done to make it work, clearly it's been working, is we're able to have How many years? And, How many years now? Uh, 16 for me, 17, oh for, uh, 17 for Kenny, what? about five or six for Shaq. And Ernie's been there 100 years. Oh, my gosh. But the key, though, is, we, like I said, we hope we get good games. But if we don't, we know how to have enough fun and keep people watching. But the ideal scenario is to have two really good games. But unfortunately, if you look at the NBA, it's so watered down right now. We don't get great matchups. 
a lot. I mean, there's very few NBA games that I'm going to watch top to bottom because I want to see what would happen. Because you, you, you notice there's little things in the seven-game series. So right now, I'm going to watch the Cavaliers play the Warriors. The Cavaliers play the Spurs. The Cavaliers play the Clippers. I mean, because real, realistically, there's only four teams that can win this thing. And and, and, and when those four teams play, I'm going to really, really watch it from top to bottom. No interruptions. All right, so does it surprise you? That I only watch games that my team, my players are playing in, could care less about those other games. And every morning I get stats of my players how they're playing in the league. How about that? Oh, that's awesome. You know what? Let me tell you something. And uh, listen, thank you for Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns. Those two guys are going to be battling for the next, the best big man for the next ten to fifteen years. They both are spectacular, and they both are great kids. Right. They both are amazing kids, and you know, you know, I really that's cool that you keep up with your players, and you're one of the few coaches. Not shouldn't say one of the few. Uh, you're one of the few who publicly talks about how you support your players, even if they uh, even if they're only in Kentucky for one year. They're always welcome. I've seen them back at different functions for you uh, supporting the program. That's pretty spectacular. All right, here, here's a good question for you. If you had played for me, we won't, no one has to hear this. If you had played for me and I made you take the fifth or fourth most shots, like Anthony and Carl, would we have been having individual meetings like Coachman? Come on now. Do you understand how good I am? No, because you know what? First of all, you can't have a whole talent down. <laughs> and you know, no, seriously, you know, you know, Cal. One thing that's interesting: I never averaged more than fourteen points a game in college. Wow! You know, I, did you I ever made, beat Kentucky? I, oh yeah, we beat. We came up to uh, uh, Rupp and kicked you won in. You won in Rupp. You won yeah, in y'all Rupp. Were ranked, yeah, y'all were ranked number one. Me and Chuck Person came up there and spanked Bowie and Turpin. <laughs> That was the, that was probably one of the highlights of my college. It was it probably was the highlight. Um, hey, how about winning in Rupp? How is it when the game was over and you had won in Rupp, where you know people just don't win in that like UCLA beat us? How was it sitting in there? You and Chuck had to look at each other and say, "This is what it's like. This is what it's supposed it, to be." Well, the thing that shocked me the most was I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show. Some of the best fans, because I've actually been back to Rupp a couple other times just as a fan. Probably the most knowledgeable fans uh, in college basketball, not mean-spirited. Because, if, you know, if you, if you beat some teams, the fans don't really give it to you. I think they gave us respect when we won that. Because, like I said, y'all were ranked number one at the time. And we came up there. And it was it was we it was a game we really wanted to win. We said, let's try to beat the number one team on the road. We don't want to beat them in Auburn. We want to beat them on the road, but to make it even more special. But the thing that surprised me the most, I don't even think the fans were mad. No, I, I bet they you like, they I bet you they saw you walking off the court and they clapped for you. I would imagine. They did. And and we got beat by Texas A and M. A kid had forty one, and I'm forgetting his name right now. And I shouldn't forget his name because he had forty one, and I didn't double team him. I I let it go one on one. I lost my mind because I my ego got in the way. They gave him a standing O as he walked off the court. They beat us, and they gave him a standing O after the game. 
Um, There's some you know, El- Elston Turner, classiest fans ever. Elston Turner. I let let me ask you this. This is what's driving me crazy. My guys perform so well uh, in college. They're getting picked by teams that are struggling. And you and I know in that league, when you're losing, it's the most miserable. You can't say what would be worse. And when you're winning, there's nothing better in the NBA. And when you're on that win streak and you're winning, you win 10 in a month, and all of a sudden you're like, we got this, you're walking. But if you lose seven, eight in a row and you don't see hope, and we've got my guys, some of my guys right now, they're just on bad teams and teams that they're going to be a while. It's it just struggles for you know they were for us they win thirty eight games they're not you know one thirty eight in the NBA yet. You, you know what's interesting about that, coach? Is I tell people you know fans and most of the fans are amazing. The major major majority of fans are amazing. Some of them are just idiots. They like well, why are these guys complaining? They're making a lot of money. I said, let me tell you something. I've been on bad teams. They said they play eighty two games. When you're on a bad team, it's like you play 150. <laughs> it, it's, it's like the season lasts like 12 months. It's the worst. It is the worst feeling in the world, and it works the opposite when you're winning. Right, it flies. The eight, the eight or two games, they, they seem like 50 when yeah. you're on a good team. You know, coach, it, it, you got the best players in the world uh, in the NBA. Even the bad teams have really, really good players. So the only thing to separate the NBA from college is superstars. Uh, that's the difference. Like, there's, there's guys, you know, Anthony Davis is, one, in my opinion, one of probably the 10 best players in the world. Uh, and he just don't have enough help. Hey, yeah, scoring 30-some a game and 18 rebounds. I'll be honest with you, Carl had 25 and 18 last night, and they lost. Yeah, I, mean, I, I actually watched a little bit of that game because I – Want to see how Golden State reacted to their last loss, and they they came out really flat and lackadaisical. That some I think they were down ten twelve at some point last night, if I remember correctly. But they came out and finished them off at the end. But Carl Anthony Towns, to me, they got to find a point guard in Minnesota. I love the Don kid from Providence. I picked him for my rookie of the year, but for some reason wrong. Getting- You're wrong again. Wrong again. Jamal Murray. Like Jamal Murray, come on. Jamal oh, Murray's going to he he is going to lead the rookies in scoring, which I predicted. Look, I've been wrong before too. I believe it was 1978. It might have been 79. I think it was 78. But I'm telling you, he was overlooked. He was one of the youngest players in the draft. He you know in that league scoring the ball, there's a premium on scoring the ball. Being able to get yeah, it but in. See, but see, I, I, that's not why I picked up a Rick of the Year. The reason I picked up a Rick of the Year, I thought was. Was Carl it before this? Towns, before the season? Yes. Okay. Now you can make yeah, that mistake you know, then. Well, because I thought that listen, that Minnesota clearly needs a point guard. Yes. And you and you got you. I would turn him and, and Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns loose. You know, we had them on last week. They're one of the lowest scoring teams in the NBA, and. I love Tom Thibodeau, but he got to turn them young boys loose. If you got Wiggins, Levine, and Carl Anthony Town, you get that ball to Dunstan, y'all run. We'll get to, we'll work on defense when we grow up and mature and realize it's important. But right now, let's get our fans excited. I, I got Carl I bet Anthony, you. I yeah. bet you though, Tibbs is moving toward that. 
but he just took over. It's like this team I'm coaching now. I haven't figured him out yet. Have you watched this team I'm coaching now play at all? I have. First of you're all, you're the best. You are the best. You First are the all, best. I, I, you got people yeah, that'll all, comment on college basketball and not watch a game. Well, see, let's first of all, I got to get you a weight room. Next time I get a new raise, because your boy's looking kind of skimpy. Which one? Which one? It ain't uh, Bam, because he's Bam. Uh, no, Bam is not. The, uh, I, your, your guards. Cause I they are skinny. Last year, they are I, skinny. I, man, because, you know, that's the only difference between college and pros. When I'm watching these college teams, I'm like, Man, these guys are little. <laughs> these guys are skinny. Oh, hey, I, I was talking about you the other day uh, when they double the post. I said sometimes we'd go on the bounce. Remember what you used to do when you knew they were coming on the bounce? You'd bounce it. You'd bounce it and look at them. You remember you used to do that? You know, that's <laughs> when guys don't use their brain. I got one of the best compliments of my life uh, a couple years ago. When uh, Greg Popovich, uh, Kawhi Leonard said, how has he gotten so much better against a double team? And it said, Coach Popovich had him sit down and look at Charles Barkley against a double you team. You were the best, the best. Because you could beat him 10 wet. You could, first of all, turn away and shoot a fade away from the double team, which meant you're rebounding that miss. And then you were such a great passer. Look, I, right now, I need a guy like you who will be a beast aside because I'm playing three guards. And the issue we have is what you're saying. We're kind of getting roughed up. And I don't know if it's weight room, maturity, timing. And, and I got to figure this out. We're playing North Carolina this weekend, and we're not ready for that kind of game. I mean, I know yeah, everybody's but- saying we're number one and number six and number five. You, you know, when we watch a game, you know, well, you're not ready for that. And I don't think we are. Yeah, but the one thing about your teams, you, you remind me of Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich. You always look at big picture. You, you know you can't win a championship in December. You go back and look at all your teams the last X amount of years. They have gotten better throughout the season. That's the one thing. Like Coach Belichick, who's a good friend of mine, always talks about who cares about the early in the season. You're just trying to figure out your team and start peaking and getting better in December, January. He always talks about that. And Popovich does the same thing. He says, I'm not trying to win game 17. I'm trying to get my team ready for the playoffs. I want my team to be better and rested when the playoffs start. And the one thing I I know about your teams, they're going to get better. Um, And I actually, listen, there's no doubt in my mind, no matter what happens against North Carolina, you go back and look when y'all lost last week to UCLA, you use those as, I saw your press conference after, those are just learning experiences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the one thing that people don't understand about uh, teams like yours, Duke, you guys have so many young players. When, when, when you, this is probably the first time in their life they played against players who are as good as them. Or better. Or, or better. Or better. Or better. I tell people that. I said, uh, They said, what do, you, what do you think the biggest adjustment of young guys coming to the NBA is? I said, this is the first time they played against guys as good as them or better. I mean, you think about it. These guys been McDonald's All-Americans. They've been the best player in high school. Well, they've been the best player in junior high. And how about the they best. may not have been really challenged by a coach? Because they were yes. so good. I mean, how was well, Sonny with you? Did Sonny Sonny challenge you? He did challenge me, and I was too immature to handle it. To be honest with you, 
I loved Sonny, by the way. Listen, he is one of the most influential people in my life. And we had some knockdown drag out in college. We did. After a game, hey, he was big, too. He would have fought you. Like, he had some size to him. He was about, what, 6'4"? Yeah, and he's a, but, but the thing is, would it, was he a fighter? Was he like I, Charles? You want to come? Let's go. He wouldn't do that, well, would he? I, uh, he challenged me, because, but he, he, <laughs> he, wanted, we, we, he hit me in the chest one time, and I deserved it. But but what happened, Cal? You know we can't do that now. I know that now. They're such wussies now. <laughs> See what happened was, you know, in college I played about three hundred pounds. But wow. I let, uh, so I was in college for three years, and I led to SEC and rebounded all three years I was there. I, so as an 18-year-old kid, I think I'm doing a really good job. And he says, you could be better. And I'm like, okay, this is my freshman. I said, I'm leading the SEC and rebounded as a freshman. He says, you need to lose some weight. You could be great. You could be great. So my sophomore year, same thing. I'm still playing around 295. I'm leading the SEC in rebounding. He's still on my case really, really hard, really hard. And then finally, my third year, I still lead the SEC in rebounding. Uh, just so I leave. And the best thing ever happened to me was Moses Malone. Moses Malone, who's probably, influ- other than my grandmother, the most influential person in my life, she, he said to me, Charles, you're fat and you're lazy. <laughs> He said, you can't play in the NBA if you're fat and lazy. He says, won't you do me a, play, uh, a favor? Lose some weight. So he says, let's get down to 290. So I get down to 290. I st- obviously, you know, you start working harder. He said, let's get down to 280. And uh, then things start really come together. At this point, I'm, Billy Cunningham's starting to play me a little bit. What, what did Most you play at when you were at your best, 250? 250. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, and that we, was with that butt. You had a, you you had a butt on you that created some space. Now, yes. What but you know? The thing is, the thing is, though, Cal. You know, uh, you know the reason me and Sonny couldn't get along. I thought, first of all, every person thinks they're working hard, but working hard in college is not the same as right. working hard in the pros. And working hard but, in high school is not like not working high. Yeah, it's yeah. not an extension of high school. No. That's what I try to no. tell these kids. No, it's a whole different ball game. Every level of success you go to, high school don't mean nothing to us in college. College uh, don't don't mean anything to us in the pros. And you have to start back over at the bottom. But like I say, the reason me and Sonny didn't get along, I was first of all I was immature, but I was like, I'm doing good, dude. I'm leading the SEC and rebounding. And Sonny was smart enough, and I wish that I was smart enough and mature enough to listen to him. I would have lost that fifty pounds sooner. Yeah, but let me just say this. At the end of the day, you can look back on it, and what a great lesson. Charles, hold on for one second. Got to get a little love to one of my sponsors. So I always thought I was the guy when it comes to recruiting, but I think ZipRecruiter may have me beat. That's because ZipRecruiter allows businesses to post their jobs to more than 100 job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You see, posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. You need to post your job on all the top job sites, and with ZipRecruiter, you can. They've also got 9 million resumes you can search through on their database. You can find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. 
Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free 99 by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. See why ZipRecruiter has been used by more than 1 million businesses. Again, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal, and you can post your jobs for free. I'm really happy that Papa John's agreed to do this and be a sponsor, and he knows it's going to charity, and he knows what I do and how I do it. Um, he's been such a great friend, and and we talked about this, and, you know, everything they do is first class, uh, whether it be fresh dough and fresh-packed tomato sauce, red meats. But, see, I got on him about we got to have a deep dish. You got all these pizza places coming up with a deep dish. I told them about a year ago, they just broke out the deep dish, and I had some, ooh, oh, and he, they, I think they hit a home run. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you have to have, you have to want the deep dish. Some people like the thin crust and, but I'm telling you, they've done a great job. And, um, during the holidays, the listeners out there can get 40% off pizzas when they order online at papajohns.com and use the promo code holiday 40. You get 40% off. We did one year, Papa and I, a dollar per pizza by a code like that, went to charity. 50, 50 states, every state in the union used the code. And we raised 350 or 500, I can't remember, but it was a ridiculous amount of money for charity. So you can go and get 40% off your pizzas, just papajohns.com and use the promo code HOLIDAY not a space, holiday 40, and get 40% off your pizzas. Go have a pizza. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. What people probably don't know, and I've known you for 25, 30 years, you're one of the most charitable, giving people I've ever been in touch with. You would be a guy, there, there's probably things that you've done, and, and you won't speak about it, that no one ever knows. There's probably families you've helped. There's probably things, because I know you, okay? Grandma was, you know, something influenced you to be that way. How was it? My, my grandmother is the greatest person. I was raised by my mother and grandmother. My mom was a maid, and my, mother, and my grandmother worked in a meat factory, and the one thing they always taught me, don't be afraid of hard work, but also treat everybody with respect and try to help as many people along the way as possible. Because once you're successful, I think sometimes you just get like, hey, I worked by behind off and I did it by myself. Nobody does do it by themselves. And that's what all my grandmother talked about it all the time. So she was alive my entire NBA career, and she said, now that we're doing great, we got to help as many people on this journey as possible. And I will never forget that. Uh, my mom and grandma both have passed away, but I'm going to continue to help as many people. I mean, you go back to Auburn. I mean, I, I'm just telling, you know, the, the thing that always impressed me when I met you when I was young, you know, I was kind of intimidated by you. I'm here coaching at UMass on a Nike trip, and here comes Charles Barkley. And you 
treated me with respect, but then I watched you. You treated everybody that way. You treated from the people at the hotel. You would reach out to the guy. I saw you do it. When you were coming in and take a picture, and you had you never acted like, man, I don't have time for you. You know, it's well, amazing. Uh, it, one thing that bothers me about these young guys today is they think you make twelve million dollars just to play basketball. I says you don't make the twelve million dollars to play basketball. You make, I see, you probably make about five million to play basketball. The rest is signing autographs, taking pictures. It, it's, it all yeah. goes together. Yeah. They're not just paying you money to play basketball. And it bothers me. And you know, so I got friends, you got friends who won't take, won't sign autographs, won't take pictures that drive me crazy. Uh, that's part of uh, I I'm always going to sign autographs and take pictures. That's part of this thing. You know, it's funny for me. Um, there's not, I've never turned down a picture unless I'm at dinner and I say, can I do it when I'm done eating? I may do that. I did it the other day, and a lady got mad at me, and I'm okay. She got mad. No, no, right? no. That's okay too. Yeah. I, I, first of all, yeah. I, that's the most annoying thing in the world. <laughs> if they, uh, I, listen, I don't I, mean I, to bother you. Well, then why yeah, are you well, bothering you me? You, you see me eating. <laughs> yeah, no, I, why are you, you bothering me? Yeah, yeah, you never sign autographs when you're eating. Right. That's just rude. That's but just but rude. I normally will even do it then because I'm like they must not know better, and I'm not going to get anybody. But I did it the other day, and a lady got mad. My wife looked at me like she's mad at you. Like, because I went up to her later and said, "You want to take the picture?" She said, "No, I really don't." I said, "Okay, thank you. I'm I'm fine." Yeah. But you know, in this in the NCA, if I go take pictures, I may be taking pictures with someone's mother or brother, or I do it anyway. I don't care. I'm you not. I'm not. Me. I'm not. T- I am not turning down a young kid who I can make them smile for a week or a mother or a grandmother that I don't even know if I'm recruiting your kid, but I'm not, I'm not taking the picture because of that. I'm taking a picture because I have been blessed. I see people on the street and I know you do the same only because of God's blessing. You and I aren't on the corner asking for a quarter only because of God. And, and I see that the only thing I get, I don't mind giving out money, but sometimes I don't want to, you know, if I think they're drunk or smoke, I don't want to do that. But I have no problem. F- come on in, have dinner. You sit right there, go eat. But, you know, this stuff, and, and when I see it, I'm the same way. Come on, man, sign the picture. I tell my team now, fame is fleeting and money has wings. When you have it, what good are you going to do with it? I mean, and I think I think of you, and I'm like, you got it early. That had to be how you were brought up. Had to be. Yeah. No question. And the thing you can tell all your players also, listen, no matter how rich and famous you are, it's only going to be like a little blip in your life. Yeah. You're going to be retired in your mid-30s. And some of those people you treated bad, those are the people you're going to try to work with and get a job from when your career is over. Don't forget that. Like, yeah. no matter how great you are, you look at Michael Jordan, you look at Lambert, you look at Matty Johnson, you're going to be retired in your early 30s or your mid-30s, and then you're going to have to go into the business world. And some of those people you may have treated awful during that time, they're not going to want to do business with you. Yep, you're you're absolutely right. Hey, I got a, another just a question for you. Sure. You don't do social media. I um, do not do social media. Tell me I why. Think that, well, because I think a lot of those people are just damn idiots and fools. 
Well, I have uh, uh, I have one point six million Twitter followers. Eight hundred of them, eight hundred thousand, half of them are haters. I don't. <laughs> I'm telling you, eight hundred. They're on there just to bust, you know, bust yeah. balls. I mean, that's what they're doing. So I don't I don't listen to any. I just give information. I just throw shit. You know, it's out there for them to to deal with. Um, but it's made me transparent in that. You may not like me, but at least you know me. You're not taking it from a media member. You're not taking it from an agenda-driven guy who's for another coach and hates you because he wants to promote the other coach and create stories and a vision and who you are and what you're about. Well, social media kind of makes us all transparent. So I kind of like it. I I, I thought about doing it, then I realized, like, you don't need it. If somebody want to hear you speak, they could turn on your television show. I just take the haters out of the equation. I get and listen, it. There are some positive things about social media. Like I can understand a, a coach using it. I can understand an entertainer using it. Yeah, yeah. Every, there's so many losers out there. I yeah. just say, you know what? That's just another distraction that I don't need in my life. Yeah, I get uh, it. So, so yeah. All right, I'm, let's I'm talk this. Go, People never, want to talk to me about like you should run for office. That uh, I'm like, I'm running for office. What about you? You know, they've been trying to get me to run for governor of Alabama the last 20 years, and I told them, I said, listen, until I don't want to go to work and argue with somebody every single day because I think both the Democrats and the Republicans are full of it. Uh, they argue, they disagree on every subject, which is silly. Uh, their job is to take care of the people, and they're not doing a good job. How do we bring this thing together? I, I think we're more divided right now than I've ever seen. And and well, I just hope that whatever happens, that both sides have got to admit the other side is right to a degree. And how, like you're right, in, yeah, you're right in this area. I'm right in this area. You know, you got people that uh, uh, wow, well, I'm mad because they want free stuff and they want me to pay for it. Yeah, and they're mad because there's money being made and they're not making any of it. And the, this is, ma- I mean, and you know what? Everybody's right. So how do we? How do we do this? You know, I think the money has gotten so out of hand because, you know, people talk about disparity. The disparity in America is between the rich and the poor. You know, everybody wants to say it's black, white, Hispanic, Jewish, Italian. Like, yeah, the, uh, the, the, there is racism that does exist. I'm not an idiot. But to me, the biggest disparity in America is the rich and against the poor. If you're born poor in this country, you're going to probably go up, grow up in a bad neighborhood and probably going to go to a bad school. So you're at a disadvantage. That's the thing that bothers me most about the greatest country in the world. Just because you're born poor don't, don't mean you should be stuck in that situation your entire life. My, my mother used to say this one. Ready? Dream beyond your surroundings. Dream beyond them. But I got to throw this to you. Do you understand now why I go in the green room and it's like graduation day and I'm like in tears when I get off the cor- off the floor? Because many of those kids were generational poverty, generational poverty. All Cal cares about is the draft. Well, you're full of crap. I care about winning. I care about building these kids. I care about preparing them for the future. But when a family's had generational poverty and I can play a part in that changing for the rest of of their lives and their children's lives and their children's children makes me happy. It makes me happy. And I can only do my little thing that I do, but we something's got to give. Something's well, got to give. 
what you're doing is, is, is amazing because when you can change, because the thing is, once you get drafted, you got a chance to change generational. You said the perfect word. Your, your, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad, their kids, you can change an entire generation. Now, you can't be a fool now. Like some of these guys are fools. They just waste all their money on cars and jewelries, uh, which is the stupidest thing in the world. But you're one of the few coaches who say, listen, yeah, I want to win, but I'm not going to tell these kids, no, stay in school. Stay in school. If you're good enough and you want to go to the NBA, go make that money. And some of them aren't, but I have to let them go if they choose to. Some of them aren't yeah. ready, but I got it. It's their life and their thing. I got to tell you, I'm at the table with, uh, I remember I'm with uh, Carl Towns, and my thing to all these kids is you put your first million in the bank and lose it. Forget about it. Put the first million in the bank. In seven years, that could be $2 million. Could you live on one hundred and fifty to 200000 the rest of your life if everything went south? They said yes. Then put your first million away. Don't be buying watches, cars, living in a tight apartment, save money the first few years. You're not making as much as the big guys. Put that money away and then go for that second contract. The second contract is generational money. Very simple stuff, right? Carl comes with this watch. It is a bling-bling watch, and he knows I see it. He said, Coach, I'm only going to wear it for a week, and I'm going to send it back, but I had to wear it tonight. (laughs) (laughs) He is the cheapest. It's the greatest. He still has his first communion money, still in the little packets. You know, it's but you know, but you but you know what's one thing good about him, and and, and that's one thing we at the we as the black family got to work on. He's got great parents. Yeah, you know, a lot of these kids, they're like myself. They're raised by single moms, and it has a really, really negative effect upon their psyche. But Carl, I met his mom and dad. Good people, really good people, really, really wonderful people. And that's something that we need to address in the black community. We got to be better families. You know, uh, we really got to have moms and dads have a call. Uh, he got a great mom and dad. And it shows up the type of man he is. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a wonderful kid. Now, last thing, the last thing, we got to talk about DeMarcus. You got to stay off my man. You know I love DeMarcus. And he's, he's out there at times. Uh, when, you were, when you watched him in high school, you were like, no way. You have to admit, I did a pretty good job of preparing him, and he listened, and he did what he was supposed to, and he went in the league. I want you to think in terms of this. He really wants to win, okay? He, he sacrificed for me. I said to him, what if you get traded to a team and they got two other all-stars? How are you going to be? It ain't going to be just about you. He looked at me. This was a while ago, and he said, I played for you. I couldn't shoot every ball. You did, I did all right. What are you talking about? So I laugh, and this is all, you know, he's got things he's got to learn. But he was on an organization that, you know, come on. And I'll say this to you, Charles. My, my wife used to get on me because I used to ride him. And she'd say, yell at somebody else. You know, why are you always on him? <laughs> and I'd say, because are you watching a game? What do you, he's not— and, and you know what, though? At the end of the day, that kid would give me his kidney. I'm telling you, he's got a lot of you in him, but you got to play and play with other professionals. You just said who taught you. You told yes. me. Who's let teaching me, let, him? Who's, who's the this. one teaching him? When he's on USA Basketball, 
with all those guys, he's way better. We just got to get him some guys in Sacramento. Well, let me say this. I don't dislike the kid. People think I don't don't like him. I said, it's not true. I said, I, like, I dislike some of the stuff that he has done. I think if the kid had went to a real organization from the beginning, he would be one of the, not one of the most talented big men, which he's clearly one of the most talented big men. He would probably be the best big man in the game if he had went to a real organization and had a real a real coaching tree, and and had the I, same I, coach. He's had nine coaches. I, I mean, know. it's 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 but, crazy. But in fairness, in fairness, now he's got a bunch of them fired now. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, you're. You know what? But, uh, but I, I'm not. I'm not going to argue the point on this. But I just. It's just unfortunate. And now it's like he realizes that you're evaluated on being a winning player. You know that. I know that. And then it goes but from. You know, a, you, but you, I'm saying, John, he does not have to win the championship, but he can't lose all the time. Right. That's so what I'm saying to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I you mean, can't be a 20 win player every game, every 22, 31. At some point, you got to bust into 50, 55, 60. You have make to. The playoffs. Yeah. Make the playoffs. Yeah. And 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 look, you and I said it, Anthony, and it's the disappoint. John Wall. See, John Wall walked into Washington, and they acted like John Wall was going to add 20 wins to their total. You and I know there is not one player in the universe going to an organization that'll make a 20 point difference or 20 win difference. You know, you know it. So, but anyway, all right, listen, I'm going to cut this off because I could go an hour with you. Um, you have been, you know, I'm here for you. If you ever call me, you know, I'm a, whatever I got to do for you, I do. And, and, you know, just thanks for being who you are. And thanks well, for what, how people, you know, there are kids that are watching you and how you are and where you are now. And, you know, we're all a work in progress. You're not what you were 20 years ago. And you learned. And, you know, I hope I'm a work in progress, too. Well, listen, you've been a friend for a long time. I admire you. I respect you. I love when you do well. Because the one thing I tell people, his personality is not going to change. I, I've known him for 20-some years. <laughs> he's always been the same. Are you saying my, uh, he's a butthead and he's not changing? He's always going to be the butthead he's been? <laughs> hey, John, you, you, you remember the thing in Memphis? What, what was it? Tell me. R- remember? Uh, uh, that, that's one of the nights I, I told you, I said, we're going to be friends for life after tonight. You had taken a Kentucky job. You had invited me to Memphis to speak. Oh, yeah. You had had taken the Kentucky job, and it was one of the most uncomfortable nights of my entire life because those people were so mad at you, and you handled that with such class and dignity. I think they're still mad at me. Which disappoints me, but I understand. Listen, first of all, you got to forget that. That's that's stupid on their part. You got to take the Kentucky job. But let me tell you something. You were man enough to come back that night and speak. And you had invited me to speak. And that night, I told you, I was like, "Woo, man, you got some stones for coming back to this thing. (laughs) These people want to kill you. (laughs) But you handled that with so much class and dignity. You know, you do. You handle that better than anything I've ever seen in a situation like that. So from that point on, we always going to be cool, man. You're the best. 
You are the All best. Right, you, Thanks. Thanks, uh, Charles. I'll see you. All right. All right, you take care. Bye-bye. Give my best to your family. Happy you holidays. Too. You too. Bye-bye. And let me thank FedEx being our presenter, Papa John's, Blue Apron, Zip Recruiter, being there for us as we put this together, and, and Charles Barkley, uh, one of a kind. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to be really good at one thing. How about as a basketball player? How about what he's done in broadcasting? How about how he does in the business world and community uh, involvement and charity work? And then what's his next life? Is it politics? But there's going to be something next. And you know what? He's going to be really good at that, too. Next podcast is next week. Um, Got a great guest. Oh, my goodness. We got a great guest. We'll have as much fun with him. Can't tell you. You're going to have to tune in. I'm not going to tell you. You want me to tell you? I'm not telling you. Tune in next week, and we're going to have some fun. Thanks, folks. Thanks, folks.